You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Outside of what St. Luke tells us in the Gospel lesson uh, for this morning, there's a considerable gap of time between when the wise men come to worship the infant Jesus and when Jesus appears publicly as a grown man at the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John. Now, either we can content ourselves with uh, St. Luke's brief account of what happened uh, when he was 12 years old, or uh, we can ask questions and wonder and speculate and think things like, what, what kind of kid was Jesus like, you know? Uh, did he act like my kids? Was he so holy in such a way that he never cried? Uh, could people just kind of look at him and perceive that there was something a little bit special about him, or hopefully not, you know, people would look at him and think, well, he's uh, a little bit weird or something, you know? But when the Bible doesn't tell us much information, uh, there's always this impulse, you know, to to get behind the words of Holy Scripture, uh, to fill in the gaps with our spiritual imaginations, I guess you could call it. Uh, And centuries, in fact, after uh, St. Luke wrote his account of what happened to Jesus when he was 12 years old, the Gnostics did exactly that. They imagined, and they speculated, and they made conjectures about the, about, uh, the young boy Jesus. And so there's all kinds of crazy stories about Jesus, you know, creating 12 clay pigeons, clapping his hands and bringing them to life, you know. Uh, there's stories about Jesus vindictively killing children when they make fun of him. And then after Mary and Joseph you know, scold him for doing something naughty, he would bring them back to life. Uh, Jesus is above being taught, of course. And so when he would go to catechism class at the synagogue, he would read his teachers' minds and he would laugh at them. Why? Because he knew the mysteries behind the letters of the alphabet. Uh, he would go around Nazareth uh, as a king and all the little children would follow him like they were in his court or something like that. I wish I were kidding. These are literally the stories that the Gnostics came up with concerning Jesus. But do you know what Jesus' childhood was really like? According to St. Luke, it's almost too ordinary. It's almost too familiar. Jesus doesn't look like a miniature spiritual guru. Instead, he looks like a catechism student. He's found where the teacher's Uh, are lecturing on the Holy Scriptures in the temple. And he sits there to ask questions. He doesn't go to teach them. He's there to ask questions concerning the Holy Scriptures. When he was called on, certainly he he answered them. And and his answers uh, caused them uh, to, to wonder with amazement. What kind of child is this? But at the same time, you could imagine that he answered them with respect and politeness. You see, Jesus wasn't there at the temple to show off. Jesus was there because he genuinely loved his catechism. He genuinely loved hearing God's word. And he wants to teach you to do the same. Now, pastor, you might say, uh, Jesus didn't have the catechism. He didn't have Luther's small catechism. Uh, So what kind of catechism were you talking about? Of course, I'm talking about the catechism of God's word which is all Luther is ever after when he tells kids, parents, and pastors to memorize the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. 
He's giving you a synopsis of the Bible. The the distillation, if you will, of of God's preaching of law and gospel so that you can have it etched onto your minds and your hearts. So on the day when you become too comfortable or proud with, with this life and this world, you have the Ten Commandments always there upon your heart to remind you of the corruption of this world and the all too, uh, uh, the all too, uh, uh, you know, noticeable reality of God's wrath, His displeasure with sin and sinners. And then on the day of terror and sorrow, you have the confidence that your Heavenly Father loves you, that He sent forth His Son to bear your sin and to be your Savior. All of this because you have memorized your creed. <laughs> You know the language of faith, what it sounds like to be a Christian, because you have the Lord's Prayer always upon your heart. The Catechism opens the door of God's Word to reveal the light of God's tender mercy, so that when you open the the pages of Holy Scripture, you're never going to be, uh, I mean, you're always going to be surprised by what you find, but you're never going to be shocked into thinking that God is somehow uh, a liar or that he's that he only gave you the Ten Commandments and the Gospel to trick you. But in fact, that's what you find in the, in the Scriptures. Condemnations against sin and also promises of grace for Christ's sake. Now, to think that the bare words of the Catechism uh, can be separated from Holy Scriptures, or to think that they don't demand a greater knowledge of the Holy Scriptures, is to miss Luther's entire point. He never intended for the catechism to be used exclusively outside of church and beyond church. In fact, he expected, uh, on the other hand, you know, for everyone who was coming to church to also have the catechism and for everyone who had the catechism to be found in church. Simply put, to have the catechism means that you have the scriptures and you ask, what does this mean? Now, you might say, whoa, whoa, slow down, Pastor. What, did, did Jesus have to learn the scriptures like, like I did? I mean, really, was that necessary? As, as God's son, didn't, didn't he already know everything that they could possibly contain? Of course he did. Of course he knew the scriptures. He's their author, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But when the Son of God entered into our world, when he was made man, became a human being, just like you and just like me, he willingly hid, his, hid the brilliance of his glory from, from others, you know. So when, when the, uh, uh, this past epiphany, we heard about how the, the Gentile kings, the, the wise men came to worship at the foot of Jesus, uh, they had to follow God's word to find where Jesus was, as Pastor Wolfmuller said in his sermon. Jesus wasn't glowing with brilliance or anything like that. They had to trust in God's word to come and worship at Jesus' feet. And so Jesus also willingly hid his glory even from his own person from time to time. So that as a human being, he always had the perfect knowledge of the Bible, but he took upon himself the form of a servant, resembling nothing, as St. Paul says. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Now that's important, that Jesus lays aside his glory for your redemption. Jesus learned his catechism like any other normal child because he wanted to redeem you. And so he was glad to set aside his perfect knowledge 
Even though he had it, he possessed it, it was his. He wanted to learn it for you. He learned the Bible stories from Mary as, as he sat on her lap, and from Joseph as they had their family devotions. Uh, with excitement and joy, you know that he hung on to every single word as they told the stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He marveled at the Israelites' exodus from Egypt and the fall of Jericho's walls and David's victory over Goliath and the splendor of Solomon. You can bet that every Sabbath day, he and his family set aside their work so that they could rest in God's word. You can bet that they went to the synagogue to, to, to hear Mark learn and inwardly digest the promises of God's love for sinners. To rejoice in the, in the promises. <laughs> the promises of the Christ. Which is the preaching of Moses and the prophets. Now this isn't to say that Jesus never knew who he was. But as a human being and a sinless human being, It's for your comfort to know that he perfectly kept the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That for you, he held preaching sacred. And that he gladly heard and and learned it. Just because Jesus knew that he could hear and and keep the law and that he must do it, that didn't mean that uh, Mary and Joseph were in fact in the same boat. Uh, They were sinners like you and me. And Mary and Joseph needed to be reminded of their catechism. Now, it's, it's good to think about this, that they indeed heard the preaching from angels, you know. Uh, Mary had, had heard the preaching of the angel Gabriel at the Annunciation, and Joseph, the preaching of angels in his dreams, and they also heard the reports of the shepherds of what they said, of what the angels said concerning their child. All of this they had heard, but it's so easy for sinners to get bogged down with the mundane details of life, with the routine nature of it all, you know, Uh, even if we're never intending to be distracted from God's Word. And so you can imagine how going every every year uh, to Jerusalem for the Passover for 12 years in a row was pretty special, probably the first few times they did it, you know, bringing Jesus and saying, Jesus, you are here to fulfill everything that's here, that's in this city. There's the temple. You know, there is, is, is the holy city of David that, uh, uh, the Zion itself, that all the Gentiles will flock to, to worship the Messiah. But after, it seems like after so many years, uh, Jesus' parents finally said, well, it's okay, you can go hang out with your relatives. You can spend time with your friends. And <laughs> I mean, if they had uh, uh, thoughts about perhaps this turning into a little... Uh, too mundane or too a little too routine, it seems like Jesus had other plans for them. If his parents were to be in Jerusalem, Jesus wanted them to remember exactly why it was so special, where to find their Lord, and to remember his purpose. And so St. Luke writes, And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be in the group that went, uh, uh, to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, 
sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Now, I know that our, our first uh, instinct when we hear this is to think, oh, Jesus must have gotten lost. But I think that after this terrifying episode, if you were to ask who was lost to Mary and Joseph, they would have had to admit, yeah, we were the ones who were lost. And I think that's, that's important to, to, to sort of uh, grab a hold of. Remember that they alone had the special charge from God himself to protect his son. I mean, they were given uh, orders, really, to take uh, the baby Jesus away from from, uh, Judea when it was dangerous for him to live there, to to Egypt. They knew that they were responsible for the boy. And now he he was gone, out of their sight. They, They had let their charge slip away from them. And so they had to ask the very, very uncomfortable question. Where do you find Jesus? Where, where do you go to look for your heavenly treasure? Now, the answer is as plain as day. You find Jesus where God's word is taught. You find him where the Lord himself is pleased to put his name and where he has promised to be among his people. It took Mary and Joseph three days. So, uh, finally, in probably desperation... They, they came to the temple to pray for forgiveness and help, uh, but the answer to their prayers and their comfort was waiting for them. And he was studying his catechism. <laughs> and this is why he said, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? This is the, the first recorded sermon by Jesus in all the Holy Scriptures. And it's both short and direct. And that's good. It makes, it makes the point clearly, and it doesn't try to do too much, because remember that uh, Jesus, Jesus didn't want to usurp his, his parents' authority, but only to show them that he was their true Lord. Uh, that the first commandment, so to speak, comes before the fourth. And he was willingly happy to uh, put himself back underneath his parents' charge once they had learned where to find their Savior. It's interesting, isn't it, how how quickly the parents go from being the catechists, the ones who teach the catechism, to the ones who are being taught, (laughs) which is a good lesson for anyone over the age of 12. Uh, Confirmation doesn't mean that you get to put away your catechisms. The Lord drives you back to it, especially when you're lost, when you're confused, when you're searching everywhere for comfort outside of where God promises to be. It turns out that the Lord would have you find him here at his Father's house where there's baptism, where there's preaching, and the Holy Supper where you find Jesus in the flesh. Now, I hope that this picture of Jesus listening to and learning the Bible stories is both comforting and encouraging for, for both for parents like you, uh, Cindy and David, and also for children like your children, Jordy uh, and Elizabeth. Uh, because the devil is always going to tempt you into thinking that there's, there's always better and more important and more spiritual ways to spend your time. Uh, he's going to take advantage of the fact that teaching and hearing Bible stories uh, doesn't seem nearly as important as feeding the hungry or marching for a cause or something like that. But I'm telling you, because God's Son was pleased to listen to Mary and Joseph, 
to be in the temple, hearing the Holy Scriptures and asking questions about those Scriptures, you know that there is no greater work that the Lord has set before you than to teach your children their Bible stories. And the same goes for, for all you kids out there. I mean, you know that your moms and dads, uh, when they're t- reading you the Bible stories and you're expected to listen to them and you listen to them again in Sunday school and then in confirmation class, that you are doing the one work that Jesus uh, shows us in the Holy Gospel as holy and sacred above all other works, the work that he uh, put himself out there for as an example, to hear God's word and to delight in it. Now, I know probably right now all my catechism students out there are thinking, well, pastor, I know that I'm not Jesus I mean, sure, he's like the perfect catechism student. He, everything that he hears, he, he soaks up like a sponge, and he loves everything that he hears. It's never a chore or a burden. It's always a joy. Uh, for me, it can be really hard sometimes. I'm, it's easy to get distracted. I'm tired, and so on and so forth. Well, that's true enough. Jesus was the perfect catechism student. But he was the perfect catechism student for you. He knew how you would fall short, and he made up for it through his own righteousness. He made up for it so now that you, so now you can receive the Lord's instruction. You can receive the Lord's word without terror of his wrath, but with the joy of salvation. And that's why you have the Bible stories. Because when you have God's word being preached and taught, There you always find Jesus waiting for you, to comfort you, and to forgive you. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.